This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Luster, machine learning, GPUs, and quantum. An ISC 18 wrap-up. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to a special episode of This Week in HPC in the Top 500 Lounge, live from ISC HPC 2018 in Frankfurt. I'm Addison Snow with Intersect 360 Research, joined as usual by Michael Feldman, Managing Editor at Top500.org. Michael, I, we're getting toward the end of ISC 18. What a ride. Yeah, it's gone by quickly. It seems like we just arrived here, and here we are. We're almost about to wrap it up tomorrow actually is the last day with the tutorial session or the workshop sessions and then we all go home and i've got a couple of fun things left to do still i'm going to give my uh, hpc market update talk at four o'clock today uh, to be followed immediately by my analyst crossfire panel which is always a lot of fun and then i'm going to speak tonight at the isc stem day gala which is something i'm really excited about that isc is doing this outreach with the stem students yeah, that's a really unique program they've got going here. It's, I think it's in the second year, and it's going to be uh, even uh, more expansive than they've done last year. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Let's get to a bit of a show wrap-up. Now, I, we already talked about what I think was the biggest news of the show, which was a shake-up at the top of the top 500 list. We had Summit, we had Sierra, we had some other upgrades. I think that's really going to go down as the biggest news from this week. Yeah, the actual vendor news and the uh, research and organization news was a little light this time around. So, yeah, the big news, I think, is revolving around uh, the top 500 systems that were new to the list. And I think we'll probably be following up on some of that uh, in the coming weeks. But, yeah, the, the other news was, was light. There were a bunch of announcements, but of pretty minor import. Well, I think there was at least one of major import, and I'll get to that in a second. But with regard to Summit and Sierra, I did just do an interview with Dave Turek of IBM. He joined me this morning in the Top 500 Lounge. So check out that other special episode of This Week in HPC for ISC 18 uh, as we look at the Summit and Sierra supercomputers in more detail. But getting to that other news, I think if we look at some of the other stories, the one that I've heard most people talking about was an announcement by DDN where they've acquired a lot of luster capabilities now that had been essentially abandoned by Intel. Right. They, uh, they bought the assets of uh, basically what the Intel business was under luster. Of course, Wham Cloud had been bought by Intel um, four years ago, I think. It's, the time has flown. And they formed it into a, into a business after a few years. But last year, in April of 2017, Intel decided to abandon that business uh, but they kept the uh, Luster development team on, so the work has been ongoing, but without a, a business plan around that, um, it's not that surprising they would basically sell those assets off. I did speak with Kurt Kuckine of DDN before the show and then James Coomer from DDN during the show to get a little bit of a double click on what was going on here. And I think a lot of it reminded me of Cray's acquisition of the cluster store team from Seagate. It seems like most of what happened is they brought in capabilities and people from Intel that Intel wasn't going to be utilizing anymore. So they acquired people, they acquired uh, contracts, support contracts, and also support infrastructure, which again is going to be mostly in the form of people who have luster expertise. That's going to move over into DDN. And within DDN, they're going to go back to the name Wham Cloud and have a Wham Cloud group uh, within DDN. And I kind of like that from a heritage perspective. And this is designed to accelerate the roadmap for luster in general for high performance storage, but also, of course, roll in with DDN's own exascaler roadmap. 
Right. From what DDN said, they're going to invest some more resources into that group now and accelerate some of that development um, and then spin out that group as sort of an independent unit. So it's not going to be you know, that tightly integrated into the DDN uh, itself. I mean, obviously, they're going to use that technology to continue in their exascalar product line, but the group itself will act... Uh, independently and doing the luster development uh, sort of autonomously. So then the next big question is, what does this mean for the community? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this just a thing? And I've been trying to get a sense of what people think about it. And from the end user perspective, my opinion is that fundamentally luster can use a champion here. There ought to be a commercially supported luster that's controlled by a company that has a long-term stake in high-performance storage. And DDN fits that bill after... Really, Luster got abandoned by Oracle, it got abandoned by Seagate, and then Intel took a big step in only to, after a short time, take a big step right back out again. In a sense, this has to be a bit of a relief that we feel like DDN can stay committed to this space going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, Luster has had uh, what you might call abandonment issues over the past several years. I think DDN is a good fit. I mean, some people are probably going to be... Uh, a little nervous about a particular vendor sort of uh, having so much influence on the technology going forward. But it sounds like, at least at this point, DDN's heart is in the right place, keeping it uh, as a non-forked software distribution and keeping the, the development team independent. So going forward, if, if they keep that... Uh, that commitment, I think people are going to be pleased. Yeah, DDN said in a BOF uh, session yesterday that the intent is to keep it as a single tree. There's not going to be any fork. They've taken all that Intel work on Intel Enterprise Edition Luster. They're working to make sure that's all integrated into a single tree, and especially that they want to keep supporting all of the vendors that have Luster products. And I think what you were highlighting there is some of the other vendors are nervous. If I'm trying to support Luster and then DDN is appointing themselves king somehow, you know, how does that figure in here? But really, when I look at it, it wouldn't be in DDN's best interest to make this feel proprietary to anybody. They want this to be an open community effort going forward. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. I mean, DDN, this is, it's a community uh, piece of software, so everybody benefits when everybody can can contribute into it and it becomes better for all the vendors involved. I, I mean, this, is, is, I think, is a much better arrangement than what Intel had. They had much less, seem of a commitment or a focus on, uh, on, a, on the storage side of HPC. So uh, this seems like a much better arrangement. And if everybody keeps their commitment, uh, I think this will help Luster in the short term and the long term. Meanwhile, this wasn't DDN's only announcement. I think it was the one that people talked about the most, but DDN did have some other product announcements. From the machine learning side, they announced something called A3i, which stood for Accelerated AnyScale AI, basically a storage product that's optimized to work directly with the GPUs, in a sense trying to take CPUs out of the loop and get data directly in and out of the GPUs. DDN additionally had some other traditional storage offerings, two flash arrays 
experience an SFA 200 NV and an SFA 400 NV, which are all flash NVMe products. One of them is designed more to be a standalone all flash array. The other more as a tier in a traditional tiered storage approach to be used in, in conjunction with spinning disks. They also had an SFA 7990 that's a hybrid flash array. So they were touching a lot of the parts of the product line. But in combination with the Luster announcement, I think the biggest point of subtlety here is that DDN is emphasizing that they can group these products together under a single global uh, luster namespace. So they're trying to integrate these products across a high-performance storage spectrum. Yeah, I think that'll be important, especially as you get into these all-flash arrays and these other uh, non-volatile uh, sort of memory storage uh, technologies. It's, uh, it's good to bring luster into that uh, technology area as well. Now, we talked about these machine learning platforms and AI platforms. Those obviously weren't the only news. Cray had some AI news. We saw other people who try to optimize their solutions for machine learning and AI. I think machine learning, yet again, three straight years at ISC was a dominant message that we're seeing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, today, as we're speaking, today is machine learning day. There was a couple of keynotes at the beginning of the day, and all through the day, there's going to be specialty sessions and panels on the subject. I mean, if you came here to the show and looked at all the AI and machine learning stuff, you would think, wow, AI has become ubiquitous in HPC. Now, that's probably the wrong conclusion to draw from that. It's, it's just starting out in the HPC space itself as far as the application goes. But the people here are talking about it. They're doing the cutting-edge work. They're laying the groundwork for something that I think will soon become very ubiquitous in this application space. In our analyst work at Intersect 360 Research, we've done some particular studies about this overlap between machine learning and HPC right now. And we found that a little more than half of HPC users today, 56%, say they're running some machine learning applications. So it is moving into the HPC environment. But, and this is a big but, it really fundamentally is not having a big impact on budgets overall. It's it's not like there's a whole separate pile of money that got unlocked, except for particular applications in financial services. That's the vertical market that's been farthest out in front for real application development and dedicated spending within HPC for machine learning applications. Now, what is going on is we're seeing changes to configurations, particularly in the realm of GPUs. And when you were talking, Michael, about the messaging around uh, AI and machine learning at the show, it really reminds me of where we were with big data and analytics, where we went three, four years in a row where this conference would have been dominated by messages of big data, analytics. The whole industry was going there. Where are we five years since then, well, people do big data. They do analytics. It's part of the workload. And the big technology that wound up winning out in all of that was flash. And we still see a lot of flash as part of the storage hierarchy. We're seeing the same pattern happening with machine learning and AI mixing in with HPC. And I think the pattern that we're seeing is that, yeah, people mix it into their environments. And again, there's a single winning technology. And that, right now, that's GPUs. Right, and specifically, I think the catalyst uh, this year is the uh, NVIDIA V100 GPU, where they've put the Tensor Core specialty technology into that chip that specifically supports deep learning. Um, a lot of people bought those chips, not with the idea that they would have this capability, but now that they do, I, I think there's going to be sort of a, a, a temptation to exploit that capability, even if they weren't 
necessarily uh, thinking that they would have um, that sort of feature set when they bought the thing. Certainly that's happening in Summit. When they bought that system six years ago, uh, they didn't know they would have tensor cores in the final system, but now it's a smart supercomputer, and that's, that's what they've been talking about at the show here for the past three days. Now, I do give IBM credit that even several years ago, in 2011, when these coral systems were first getting conceived of, IBM did have the vision then of looking ahead toward analytics and let's build a smarter planet and even artificial intelligence with projects like Watson. So IBM, at least out of that consortium, has had a forward-looking view of all this. But it's really the GPUs that have taken off in the market. And we've even seen this in some of our other market research write-ups, our most recent budget map data is showing end users swinging more spending on the GPUs. It factored into our market model where we saw a bump in the computational aspects of spending in the servers as people made more compute-heavy configurations. Servers got a bump relative to other technologies, just like storage did in the big data era together with Flash. We're seeing that echoing now with this trend today. So really cheap. And then you factor in with GPUs, Summit and Sierra again, really GPUs have had a tremendous show. Yeah, the other reflection of that is that uh, more than half the new flops on the current top 500 list are actually GPU flops now. And that's the first time it's happened in the 25-year history of the top 500 where you've had something other than a CPU uh, basically incrementing the flops on, the, uh, on those systems in aggregate. So that's, that's uh, I think, a pretty good indication of where GPUs are today relative to the at least the top end of the supercomputing market. Meanwhile, just as this is becoming a reality for a wide range of applications, let's go to one visionary thing. Really, we've seen a, a big increase in the amount of people who are talking about quantum computing. And IBM in particular has some demos in its booth of a technology it calls Aqua, where they're really trying to make this commercial now for people to start quantumizing their applications and workflows. Yeah, it's a little bit interesting. Now, IBM has been most aggressive about getting the business case position for quantum computing. And a lot of people in the quantum space are thinking, oh, no, we're going to need we're gonna need thousands of qubits before we can do anything commercially interesting. IBM has a little bit different take on that. They think they can have 50, maybe 100 qubits, and you'll be able to have some commercial uh, things going on that's going to be valuable to somebody with just that many of qubits. And they're... You know, they've they set up their cloud. They've got some customers uh, hooked into their cloud that they've established over the past year or so. Um, so they're sort of the most forward-looking, the most aggressive of all the quantum computing players right now. Yeah, IBM has, has had this visionary approach where they've done a pretty good job predicting trends 10 years out. Now, they're not the only ones in the quantum computing space. Intel's been talking quantum. Google's been talking quantum. Let's not forget D-Wave is here. In fact, I stopped by briefly and saw a really compelling presentation going on in D-Wave's booth about practical considerations for moving math into the quantum world and how you do that. It was really very compelling. Yeah, and let's not forget Google. Google's got what is ostensibly the largest qubit system. They've got a 72-qubit prototype that they're just starting to test out right now. So they're, they're forward-looking as well. They just haven't been as, uh, as sort of aggressive about making it available to other members in the community. Right now, it's all sort of internal work there. 
I think this is something that's really on the rise. This is not going to be a quick blip this year and then go away. I expect we'll be seeing more from Quantum at ISC when we come back in 2019. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But it's going to be a slow up-ramp. I, mean, I think we'll, we'll see these, these companies develop their products. But uh, I think uh, probably towards the middle of the next decade, it'll be... It'll be uh, a significant force in this space. So we really came back around full circle on IBM. We started out talking about Summit and Sierra. We wound up talking about quantum computing. IBM has got a lot going on in their booth this year. Yeah, they're talking about their uh, Spectrum system, uh, quantum system. I'm not sure if they have their Newark Morphic system in there yet. Uh, they talked about that in the past. Um, and I think they've got some upcoming uh, Power 9 customer wins as well, which I think we'll hear about some of them in the future, but there's a lot going on with IBM right now. They've got their, their fingers in sort of each of the pies that uh, the HPC community cares about. There's obviously a lot more news and a lot more goings-on at this conference that we can wrap up in a single podcast, Michael, so we hope our listeners will keep coming back to this week in HPC as we keep wrapping up more of these topics in the weeks to come. Absolutely. All right, Michael, thanks for joining me here in the Top 500 Lounge. It's always a pleasure to do a podcast with you live in person. And then we'll be back in our home offices, and you'll be able to keep listening to us this week in HPC. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thank you, Addison. And thanks to all who visited us here at ISC. Thanks to the ISC team for another great conference. Looking forward to be back next year. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.